Hey, everybody. I'm super excited to bring you a very special episode today. Just this week, I was able to be a guest on my friend's podcast, The Silver Screen Podcast, where they review movies and all that shit. Now, typically, they do newer movies and go into a bunch of detail about them, but I convinced them to do the 2011 movie, Contagion, and then we discuss all the shit that is the coronavirus and why people shouldn't be freaking the fuck out, but should be slightly concerned about it. So this episode's a little bit different. There's no swearing aside from this uh, because their show is clean and we just kind of review the movie and then discuss some science at the very end. So there's no real lesson. It's just, you know, enjoying a film and the three of us, myself, Jared and Katie, Jared and Katie host the show. I'm the special guest discussing movies and TV and all that extra shit. So for this one, make sure you have a drink. Make sure you're relaxing. It's just a good time. Nothing really too stressful, aside from the fact that you should be freaking out ever so slightly about this disease. So sit back, have yourself a drink, and enjoy a very special episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are talking about the movie Contagion, which is not a new movie per se, but has gained some relevance in the last couple of weeks due to all the talk about the coronavirus and how that has been in the news a lot recently. And also, Katie, we have a special guest for this episode. Yes, you are right, Jared. I am so excited that my very good friend, John Doty, is on this episode. John is very successful in the podcast world, and we have been friends (laughs) since high school. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be your first guest. (laughs) Yes, thank (laughs) Thank you for coming on. (laughs) Yes, thank you. We don't have any endorsements or anything, so you can shout out to Google and... And I don't know, Judge Judy, but they're not going to pay us anything. No, especially with their show ending. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. Show That's is why ending. she was on my mind. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, we normally shout out uh, sponsors or companies that we think might, you know, maybe sponsor us in the future at some point. So we yeah. drop those in occasionally. But I don't there have any go. today. Okay. Do you have anything you want to shout out, Katie? Well, I do talk about <laughs> Tom Hanks at least once an episode. Cause <laughs> True. He's my favorite person. Um, And then I was going to say, too, just to warn everybody, we are very, very excited to have John. The movie we're talking about in some of the subject matter, there might be slight cursing in this episode. So just a disclaimer, in case you have young children who love the podcast, there will be some cursing in this episode, which leads me to tell you, John Doty actually has his own podcast called Bio for Bastards. That is bio like biology for bastards. And we'll talk more about him as we get through the episode and also where you can find him on social media but please listen to his podcast it's yes. pretty good just nice. saying. i agree i just agree <laughs> and john what's just give a real quick like overview of what you talk about on there and kind of what the po- obviously it's biology based but what are some right. subjects and things you go into well um we just finished season one and what i did was i went through basically ap biology or a basic um freshman um biology class for okay. at the college level and just went chapter by chapter and I just one of my taglines is I teach biology um, that you'd get in school with all the words that you'd hear in the hallway <laughs> and just I just cuss up a storm and talk about <laughs> mitosis and all that fun stuff I'll have my second season coming out probably late May um, where we're going to cover just all evolution the entire season so I'm nice. really excited about that one I'm very very excited about that, John, and I will definitely be tuning in because evolution is very interesting to me, and I wish that I was even twice, like half as good as you at biology. Well, you could be. Listen to the show. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Plug for my show. Perfect. (laughs) So the reason we are talking about contagion today is because of the coronavirus and the death toll for the coronavirus in the U.S. is up to nine people. That the ninth person actually just passed away a couple of hours ago before we were recording this. We're recording this on uh, March 3rd, so the total may have gone up by the time you hear this. But right now, nine people have passed away from coronavirus in the United States. And the reason we chose to cover this movie is because if you haven't seen the movie Contagion, it is about 
a virus that spreads very rapidly through multiple countries and lots of different, um, you know, demographics of people and, you know, uh, levels of income and all kinds of different things that it kind of it doesn't hold any boundaries, really. It just goes and passes, you know, on to basically everybody. So we thought this movie was kind of relevant for this time since this has been a big topic in, in the news recently. I had never seen this movie before, and I was terrified. And I think that because of what's happening around the world, it was scarier to watch it now than it probably would have been when it first came out. I don't know. I remember watching it um, probably back in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, And I just remember, like, being frozen to my sofa, just, like, (laughs) staring at the TV, just going... What is happening to this movie? <laughs> it was just like freaking out. It was the scariest thing I had ever seen. I know. And people, I already think people are pretty disgusting. I mean, I love humans, but I think we're all naturally pretty disgusting and don't wash our hands enough, etc. So to watch even the first few scenes where you just see people on subways and coughing and putting their hand on rails and stuff was disturbing on another level to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. Uh, I saw this so I used to work at a movie theater. So this movie came out while I was working there and I saw this movie in theaters, but for some reason the showtime that I went to was an IMAX showing of this movie. So just imagine all that coughing and people looking clammy and sweating and all that, but just on a giant screen. So uh that was no. my experience no, with you. this movie. So but yeah, like you said, John, I also found it fairly terrifying when I watched it too just because there's you know the whole premise of the movie is there's like really no way to stop this virus that just right. kind of goes throughout the whole world and with that we will kind of get into some details of the movie and this movie was released on September 9th of 2011 so actually the just the day before my birthday so shameless plug for my birthday which is on September 10th so <laughs> well happy late birthday thank you <laughs> or early depending on how you're looking at it or early yeah we're kind of right in the middle <laughs> <laughs> and this movie is rated half PG. Birthday's almost here. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm getting close to my half birthday. That's got to be coming up sometime soon. I love soon. a half birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is rated PG-13, and it's for disturbing content and some language. It's an hour and forty-six minutes. IMDb score 6.6 out of 10, so kind of right in the middle, a little bit above average. And then Rotten Tomatoes, critics 84%, audience 63%. That's a big jump between critics and audience. I don't know if audiences were just like scared of this movie, and that's why they rated it lower. It's a well-made movie, but the audience score is, is surprisingly a decent amount lower than the critics score there, Katie. I I actually wondered about this, and I thought maybe some people, I could see people seeing this and go, that would never happen. Or like that is Mm -hmm. so just not a thing we have to deal with in modern day civilization. So I almost wonder if people just thought it wasn't believable or it was gross. Now, I show this. um, I am a biology teacher by day. Yes. Yes. And I have shown this movie to my classes um, because I teach high school. So it's kind of right there. Yeah. Um, And they do seem pretty engaged. And they're like, you know, that actually wasn't that bad of a movie. So I don't know if they're just rating it from a we're watching this in school yeah <laughs> kind of scale right right um, it's like not bad for school but i would no, I say can't... more than 63 percent of my students like it <laughs> that's I a good sign it if a prof- if a teacher showed me a movie with like matt damon in it in high school we never watched any movie that were that was that cool that oh, like i love that. matt damon i love matt damon too <laughs> almost ma- as much as tom hanks yeah i feel oh, like see, school almost as much as chris evans yeah, I love Chris Evans. <laughs> oh wow, this is great. This is so great. What a great first guest. I feel like schools never show movies that actually have like movie stars in them. You're like, where did this movie come from? Like, how did it get right? How did you get right. it? Like, was it just distributed to schools? Like, I've never heard of this before. It has nobody in it that was a famous okay. actor. <laughs> yeah. So or you find it like. 20 years before they became big and it's from it's like the double helix with jeff goldblum from the 80s (laughs) did anybody watch that in school or is that just me (laughs) that might have been just you because you were a couple years older okay (laughs) so this was on laser disc 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so this movie at the box office made uh, $75 million domestically, worldwide $136 million. So pretty good, considering that it's a kind of a little bit of a niche movie, and it is just about a bunch of people getting sick. So it's not the most appealing topic if you want to go see something fun and happy at the movie theater. Um, and the synopsis for this movie is healthcare professionals, government professionals, and everyday people find themselves in the midst of a worldwide epidemic as the CDC works to find a cure. This is directed by Steve. Steven Soderbergh, who has done a lot of movies, but I feel like this is one that doesn't get talked about a ton in his filmography. Obviously, the Oceans movies get discussed a lot, but this one kind of goes under the radar. What do you guys think about that? Well, listen, I don't want to gossip here, but I'm about to. (laughs) Steven Soderbergh. Uh, I won't. Okay, I won't give too much information, but I used to work for a hotel chain and he would stay at this hotel. He was actually there, I think, around the time that I, when I was working there and, um, he didn't leave a good impression with the staff. I'll just say that, Okay. but I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. I'll just say that some people have vices and weird things that they do. And I was privy to some of that information when I worked at this hotel. But regardless of that, I thought this movie was really good, but I completely forgot that it was associated with Steven Soderbergh. Cause you're right. I think I know him for other things, not this film. See, that's where you guys are way better than me at this time. I couldn't <laughs> name another thing that he's done. I just I thought it was it looked good. That's I don't that's know my, anything about biology. <laughs> yeah, so see we have our strengths. I thought it was good, but I I didn't know he did the oceans movies. That's that was actually the only thing I could remember for sure that he did. Yeah, he, he's yeah. also done um Aaron Brockovich, just because I have the okay, list I up right that here. One too. So uh, those were my two Traffic, The Informant, he did Magic Mike. Um, and Logan Lucky as well, and a movie called Side Effects, which is also kind of about not people getting sick, but is about like experimental drugs, and that one has Jude mm-hmm. Law and Rooney Mara in it. So Rooney Enchanting Mara. Tatum, yeah. So yep, <laughs> that one's kind of oh. a weird movie too. <laughs> Jared, this is this is a sidebar, John. This happens at least once an episode, but Perfect. I have an update on Rooney. Oh so boy. I've been debating for a long time, wondering if Rooney and Joaquin Phoenix are engaged, and they are in fact engaged because I've seen it in multiple magazines and multiple online sources. So I'm going to go with case closed. They are engaged. Okay. Dun, dun. You need like a sound effect there. Case closed. Yes. That's perfect. That uh, law and order would be perfect for, for Rachel, John's wife, because we both love law and order SVU. It's one of our favorite shows. I saw it just got renewed for like three more seasons or whatever. It so. did. It did. It's never was going that, like, off season the air. like forty three. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be the best season ever. <laughs> There's more crimes, so at the special victims unit, so <laughs> more stuff to investigate. Um, and this movie, the cast for this movie is really an ensemble cast. Everybody kind of has a few minutes of screen time in the movie. Matt Damon is the one that probably gets the most screen time because he's mm-hmm. kind of the lead. But even for a lead character, he's not in the movie like. A ton, you know. This is right. very much an ensemble cast. So you have Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, Lawrence Fishburne, Gwyneth Paltrow, Brian Cranston, and Marion Cotillard. Overall, pretty stacked cast. Especially Brian Cranston. Like I forgot Brian Cranston was in this movie, and this was this was like around the time that Breaking Bad was starting to get pretty popular, but like hadn't fully taken off yet because it was 2011. So I forgot that I, he was actually in this movie because I have the DVD of this, and he's not on the front of the DVD cover. So when he popped up, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he was in this movie. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up because I actually did wonder that when he came on the screen because this was my first and only time seeing this movie. I saw him come on and I thought, man, when would he have been like, where would this have fallen in the time period with uh, Breaking Bad? So it was kind of sounds like, like it was at the beginning, basically. Yeah, it was kind of right in the middle of Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad started in 2008. So it had been on for a few seasons. But I feel like the last two or three seasons of Breaking Bad is like when everybody started to watch Breaking Bad. So yeah, because it was on Netflix and everything and you could stream it and all that stuff. So I feel like that may have come along a little bit later. But so he was he was definitely a, a star, but I think he got even bigger with those last couple seasons of, of Breaking Bad for sure. John, are you a Breaking Bad fan? I watched like the first season or two of it and mm-hmm. then I think we moved and I missed the start of the oh. second or the third okay. season and I just fell and I never got back into it. Yeah. Um, I got up, I remembered the scene with like the old guy and the bell. That's the last <laughs> thing I remember watching. Um, Everyone knows that scene. Right, so that's what that's yeah. what I remember and after that I just kind of like lost track of it and People keep telling me I need to watch it because I could pull off him for a Halloween costume. 
Oh my gosh, John, that actually, that does make sense. And also, I think it's kind of cool that that was the last scene you saw because that means you kind of went out with a bang. Right. And and now you have no, literally, and now you have no idea what happened at the end. But it's worth watching all the way through. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Well, right now we're into Peaky Blinders, so maybe when we're done with that. I need to watch that. You you do. It's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. If, I'm gonna make um, that a priority. There you go. What I've been watching, and I know you've been watching this too, Katie, is uh Love is Blind on Netflix, which is the one oh, of the dear. trashiest reality shows oh, ever. Oh dear. But it's John, so captivating. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with the name. Okay. Let me okay. But that's about it. You know what? Sidebar. I'm guessing it's a pun. So Love is Blind is uh they take these sh- these couples, they take random the people, males and females, but they're all pretty much good looking, just so you know. And yeah, they're all, they like, meet super in these attractive. things called Yeah. They meet in something they call them pods. They're just rooms, but they call them the pods, which also makes it even more hysterical because they all say things like, My life just changed in the pod. It sounds bizarre. Anyway, they uh they meet and it's completely blacked out, like they can't see the other person on the other side in the other pod and so you essentially they're saying is love blind can you fall in love with someone just by talking to them and getting to know them and then at the end the requirement is that you propose and get married (laughs) and immediately after getting proposed you meet you actually see each other then you move in together and go on a vacation and then you get married this is a this is a true thing and listen i love the bachelor that whole series i don't love it i think it's trash but i can't stop watching but love (laughs) is blind might be the trashiest thing i've ever seen and i won't ruin it for you but twitter has been it was blowing up so much about love is blind that i was like that's it i've got to watch it and it's on netflix and it only took me like three days to get through So if you're looking for uh, trash, watch that. Also, that that whole process, John, of um, them meeting, getting engaged, going on vacation and getting married happens in what, Kate, three weeks? Oh, yeah. It's like it's they they meet. (laughs) I think within within 10 to 14 days, they got that puts 90 day that puts 90 day fiance to shame. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I just think, man, I would have been married to like 18 people by now. Like, that I dated for a minute. <laughs> but it's ridiculous. But some people, I will say, I think the producers had a deal or something where they, they had, the castmates had to go down the aisle because there were people who said no, but they didn't say no. So they were fully dressed. Their families are there. They're at the wedding ceremony. And then they were like, yeah, I can't go through with it. And then just left. Wow. And that was how their relationship the ended. But apparently on Thursday, May March, March 5th, this Thursday, there's a reunion special on Netflix, and people are freaking out because I think I think this was actually filmed a couple years ago or a year ago, and so now you see like where the couples are now if they they're stay all together. Divorced. Yeah, oh, I think boy. they're probably all divorced. Well, I think one couple probably made it. Oh, okay. But it's ridiculous. I don't. <laughs> That's a good don't track know, record. I don't know that I recommend it, but it was perfect for this weekend because I didn't want to think, and I just wanted to like relax and clean around my apartment and stuff. So I watched the entire thing in one weekend. So you're saying if I get the coronavirus, it's a good thing to watch. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Good bringing it back. Good segue back. Thank you. I do what I can. That's what I'm here for. Great. All the disease. (laughs) So we will take a quick break here on the Silver Screen Podcast, and then we'll come back and talk about our likes and dislikes with the movie Contagion. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about the movie Contagion with our special guest, John Doty, from the Bio for Bastards podcast. John, thanks again for joining us on this episode. Not a problem. I'm having a blast. It's (laughs) great. What we kind of do now is we just kind of talk about our likes and dislikes of the movie and things you liked about it, things that we weren't super fond of, and just kind of talk about the movie a little bit more in depth. So with Contagion, I know one thing that you liked about it, Katie, was like we've said, this wasn't all uh, insta- ensemble cast, excuse me, but it really had a lot of big names in it when it when it came out. Yeah, I thought the cast was fantastic. I do really quite like all of the main actors that we named um, but it was cool to see them at different levels of kind of like where where they were with their fame but all of them were good like I didn't feel there was a single scene with one of them where I was like that wasn't necessary or what are they doing here like I felt like every every side story was interesting and added to the story overall and I think so there's a few I'm not gonna trash anybody but there's <laughs> go a, ahead John trash them well what if they're listening 
Oh, that's true. a good yeah. You can go ahead and yeah. trash Goop. Trash. Nobody's, nobody's buying Goop that listens to this show, so if you want to okay. trash Gwyneth well, Paltrow's makeup she's, line. She's the one I was thinking about, <laughs> so I don't want to give anything away from the film, but I really enjoyed her Gwyneth Paltrow's role in the movie. I thought it was great. <laughs> You know so. what? I actually don't agree. Or I don't disagree with you there because she, I, she's hit or miss with me. Um, but yeah, also because you find out spoiler, but it's it's an older movie now. She's cheating on her husband. You find out at the beginning of the film, and I also just think who cheats on Matt Damon? Period. Right. But also, like whatever happened to her, I thought, well, you had that coming to you. Right. Like who would cheat on Matt Damon? To not me. Not me. I know he's just out Neither. here trying to protect his family with this outrageous virus, and then she just goes and sleeps with the guy when she has a like seven-hour layover in Chicago or whatever. So, <laughs> exactly. So uh, this this movie did come out in 2011, but I think one thing that we've mentioned a little bit is that it's still relevant today here in 2020, even nine years later. It still definitely holds up because we do. They talk about swine flu a lot in this movie, which was a big thing in 2009. So that would have been when they were filming this and writing this. That would have kind of been the relevant health thing that was going on. But we've had a bunch of stuff since then. Ebola, Zika, of course, coronavirus right now. So it's definitely a thing that is still relevant relevant in today's culture even though this movie came out a, a while ago yeah that i was interested in hearing all of the different things they mentioned didn't they mention sars too they yes did. yep okay yeah i and also i've been i am a little freaked out about coronavirus i would rather be prepared than think oh it's not going to come get us here um but I have been listening to different podcasts and news webs like reading things listening to news segments about it um but you're you're definitely right it doesn't discriminate it doesn't seem like so I'd rather be over prepared than than not prepared at all for for this particular virus because it sounds like SARS and all these other things they thought it was bad but they could get a hold on it quickly and I just don't feel like we're quite ready to that figure this out yet and I think they actually mentioned something that like that in the film at a uh when um Lawrence Fishburne was doing a press conference. Oh, they brought yeah. they brought up the fact that, you know, it seems like they're making a big deal about the disease and they did a big deal about SARS and the swine flu and all that stuff. Um and Lawrence Fishburne's character said he'd rather be over prepared um than a lot of people die by not being prepared enough or something, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good point. I even, I'm pretty sure my brother even got the swine flu and I I kept thinking he was going to die, which is overly dramatic. And I recognize that, but I was really scared. He's good. He is fine. (laughs) Everyone, everyone is fine. (laughs) He's going to be on the next episode, actually. So he is very much healthy. So, but another thing that I liked about this movie is um, I liked the music. That's one thing that I noticed is it's a very like techno kind of just like pulsing beat in the background, but really does build a lot of tension throughout the movie uh, in terms of like what's happening. So it's not really like, it's not like a John Williams score or anything that really stands out and has a bunch of orchestra instruments and things like that in it. But I thought it did its job effectively in this movie. And then another thing that I wanted to say that I liked is I liked at the end of the movie, how you see how this whole thing started and just how simple it was that like it literally got passed on so easily to Gwyneth Paltrow and then from there just took off. So I like at the end, I know Katie, one of your, which we'll talk about in a, you know, in a second, one of your dislikes is that some of the storylines don't get wrapped up, but I thought as far as the storyline of how the virus actually started and got you know spread all across the world, I thought that was kind of cool to include at the end of the movie. Just a really like chilling scene to leave you with as the movie ends. I I couldn't agree more. I thought the same thing. Like that was one storyline that I actually, you know, I feel like they resolved um, because that freaked me out. I even remember last night I was cooking and I was thinking like, oh, I wonder if we should be concerned about food if it's imported or exported from somewhere. Um, but I don't think that that actually has to do with this. Maybe a good question for a biology person. But um, but I agree with you. I like that they wrapped up that story. And then to call back to your um, music comment, I love that you noticed that stuff, Jared, because I didn't. I can't even tell you what the music was in this movie, but I was super engaged in the story. So I think it was I was paying a lot of attention to that, but I don't recall any particular like music that I found very moving or any costumes that really aided the story. To me, it mm-hmm. was just like it was a good story and that's all I focused on. Well, and that's what I really liked about the movie is that the music is kind of forgettable. 
innocence and it's just everyday people and um when i was re-watching it i just really like this i just always love the scene um when they're in the lab for the first time and doing the test on it and they're mm-hmm. just like oh so how is like what do we have now and it's like oh this disease there's like seven people dead and i'll break here i'll break there how was your weekend oh yeah. i went and saw the family and <laughs> everything um just kind of there was really this like dichotomy between like the society part and like the people do just doing their job because that's their job and i just always thought that was maybe just me reading into it a little too much um but i like to think that was intentional oh Um, no john i think you're totally right because i i kept thinking that i think this is what society is like even now people are not worried enough not that we should be sitting at home and not going outside but i just think people are not getting educated about it or not asking questions or they think oh we're in a really nice civilized country it's going to be fine or that we're in the midwest so it's not here yet but i just think it's it's much better to care about these things and if nothing else be grateful that we have people who work at the center for control disease control the cdc and take care of us because i don't think i could do that job i certainly don't think i'm good enough in science to do it but i appreciate that there's people doing this 24 7. And I know um, with the different levels of labs, I worked in a lab in college and we had some rooms where you had to wear like a respirator to go in and that was kind of a big deal. So I couldn't imagine the one where you had to wear like the full on like hazmat hazmat suit with the air being pumped in and all that stuff. We were nowhere near that. I think we had like a level two room wow. and that's just where you had to wear the respirator and everything. And that's, we were just giving mice cancer and trying to fix it. Oh, um, but, which is really hard to do. Yeah, I'm so. sure it is. My brother is um, getting his his degree in neuroscience, and he has to test rats all the time. But they have to do brain surgery on them, and I just think that sounds amazing. But also, like that would be really hard to even get a rat to be able to do that stuff to them. But everything is so tiny, and you have to be so particular and exact. I can't imagine. Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing the brain stuff. We just did stuff on their ovaries and all that stuff. We were in the OBGYN lab doing experiments with estrogens and stuff so we basically give them like little hysterectomies and then (laughs) give give them their hormone shots to keep them from going through mouse menopause and that's so cute (laughs) so nice so before we move on to dislikes i also wanted to ask you mentioned the the hazmat suits john how do we feel about jude law's hazmat suit that he has on at one point in this movie which is basically just like a giant cube i've never seen a hazmat suit like that before but he's wearing like a yeah. plastic cube on his head it's like i've got one of the inflatable t-rex costumes and i just <laughs> i just kind of imagine that i'm like it might protect you a little bit from like overspray if something exploded on it but like as far as like air particles it's probably not you probably they're got still it on amazon in. yeah yeah they're still getting in he's he's still gonna get it but so. it looks cool yeah, yeah. It, it did create for a, a cool little visual there. So did anybody else have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? Um, I did like it's really small, but like the font they use mm-hmm. for the updates and everything, how it was just very like old school computer, just like day one, just in like red font. Yes, yeah. I actually um, agree with you. That's a really good call out. Like it's just very sterile mm-hmm. and it kind of goes with the whole like, it's a forgettable font with the forgettable music, just kind of throwaways just to make the film go and nothing to really remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, you said, the, oh, I was oh, going to say, I was with the, say uh, the red, the red was freaky with because it reminds me of blood and stuff. That was all. Yeah. Yeah. And then how it just like popped up on the screen and they just went away. Like you said, John, with basically no fanfare or anything. It's just like day two. And then it's, you know it's off of there so i think like you said i think steven soderbergh used that to just kind of you know tell you what day it was on but also like not draw like you said not draw any attention to it just like this you know it's like a uh you know a report or whatever like font you would use for that and just very matter of fact like this is what day we're on and this is how right, we're yeah. progressing so 
So now we'll move into the dislikes a little bit for this movie. I don't have too many dislikes for this one, but I know, Katie, one thing that is her dislikes <laughs> are of common movies are when storylines don't get wrapped up, she gets a little annoyed. And this movie has a lot of storylines that do not get resolved at all because things just kind of happen. Like we have the whole part of Lawrence Fishburne's relationship with Kate Winslet's character. Also, Lawrence Fishburne's wife kind of being the one that really kind of starts this whole thing turning into a crazy outbreak because like he tells her that she needs to come to him and then she tells another person and then from that point on the next shot is the interstates are backed up for miles so um, there's that there's uh, Gwyneth cheating on Matt Damon there's Matt Damon not being upset about anything until like the very end of the movie um, and then all kinds of stuff so you had a lot of these side storylines that just didn't really wrap up at all (laughs) Yeah, you you just highlighted those were all the main ones that bothered me. It it only bothers me because I I think when a movie is done well, or at least some of the character stuff, you get really invested in the characters. So a lot of these people, I either related them to people I know or I was like, oh, I'm really intrigued. I need to know how this worked out. Like even the fact that there was a line where somebody asked Lawrence Fishburne, what was your relationship to Kate Winslet? Like, why do you care about saving this woman and sneaking her out of this dangerous situation? Um he never answers the question and then they never resolve it. And I thought, what was the point in having that line of dialogue if we're never going to mm-hmm. find that out? So just stuff like that bothers me, but it, it is fine. And then Matt Damon, I mean, again, I love him, but I thought it was weird when he initially had no reaction to his wife dying. I thought that he was in shock. So that was fine. I still thought it was weird, but I was like, okay, he's in shock. We finally see him cry the last scene we see him in the film, which I just thought was kind of weird, especially I understand if he was upset because he found out she was cheating on him. So maybe he was like, good, I'm glad she's dead. But I just felt like there was no reaction either way. There wasn't, there wasn't extreme anger and hatred towards her, but there wasn't like extreme sadness and oh, I've lost the love of my life, etc. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was kind of stagnant and never really went anywhere. So that yeah. that's my main criticism of the film, honestly. Well, I think it has something to do with kind of trying to make it super global, that you have all these different characters and these different side plots going on where it's showing how far-reaching the disease was, that it's affecting all these different people and their lives are going on without you really knowing all the details of it. And just kind of speaking to that whole side of things, um, where it wasn't just tracking this one group of characters throughout the whole thing. It's kind of showing how things were so widespread. John, that's amazing, that observation. (laughs) Maybe we should have you on the show more. Thank you. Um, Because now that actually clears up something for me. Because another storyline that I felt kind of just unsure of um, was the the Chinese village that Marion Cotillard was helping with, or she was Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, kidnapped to go help with them. But I think you bring up an interesting point because we talk about how there's different classes and you can see how pandemics can affect people if they have money or don't have money and how it affects people if they can't get their medicine. So if if we go by your idea of we're just seeing little snippets of people's lives, I think that was a good side plot to show because it was people who didn't have money and didn't have resources who were at greater risk and suffering, maybe even more so than people who have money. Right, because she actually worked for the uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization. Yes, yes. So she was way up there, first one of the first in line to get the treatment or get the, get the vaccine. Yeah. And then it was her, like, translator's family's village, I think. I think so, yeah. I couldn't, I don't remember what his role is, but um, also he was in Batman. Uh, I think he was in Dark Knight. He was in whatever one that Marianne was in, I think. I know he was the guy that she was with. That actor, sorry, I don't know his name. He, they were both in the Christian Bale Batmans. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. I think that was Dark Knight. I think it was too. No, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. It's that one. It's Rises. The Rising Up of the Dark Knight. (laughs) Hey, this is also something I just wanted to ask you. I did look this up already to make sure. I don't know that this was a dislike, but I thought it was just an odd thing. Did you notice Jude Law's teeth in the film? Uh, Nope. I did. They're kind of yellow, aren't they? Is that what you're referring to? uh, They were jacked up. They were... um, (laughs) 
They well, they looked like my teeth before I had braces, to be honest. But those were jacked up. Um, he they were discolored, but they were very stacked on top of each other. And I looked it up because I thought I know his teeth don't look like this, but I think it was just a choice they made. But I thought it was odd, and I don't really know why they made that choice in particular. But yeah, look huh. it up because it's a real thing. Hmm. But it did distract me from the film at different moments because I was more interested in him showing his teeth than what he was actually saying. Huh. Interesting. I, did, I definitely did not notice his teeth. Maybe I'll put a picture <laughs> on social media. If I can find a good one when oh, we post about teeth. the episode, I'll include Jude Law's teeth. There you go. So one other um, dislike that I had was just Kate Winslet and her storyline. I just felt like the writing of it, I feel like if she was working for the CDC, that she would have taken more precautions than she did like spoiler alert she gets the disease and she dies but like she gets it from waking up in that hotel room and then she's like I need a list of everybody who's been in here and cleaned it and who gave me my room service and I'm like why would you do that you know you know the virus spreads from contact you know of closeness of humans so like why would you even do those things to yourself to possibly get the virus I don't know it just felt like if I was in that situation where I was working for a health organization I would probably take all precautions possible to make sure that I did not get the like instead of staying in a holiday inn while I was in this city or whatever well it's not holiday inn she would have known better (laughs) 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 yeah I did think she was being a bit uh, willy-nilly and flippant with her decisions, like the fact that she was just in the room. I know Matt Damon, like we figure out that he's immune to it somehow, Mm -hmm. Uh, but she was just in the room and doesn't seem worried. She's talking to him. She kept wandering all over the city. She actually goes to where the outbreak started, and I just thought, this is is a little dangerous. Like, you're just acting like this is just no big deal. It's another day. Hope I don't get it and die. And then she did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, yeah, that would just suck. Yeah, <laughs> it would. So yep. a lot of pe- a couple of people die in this movie. So that's that's what we've established. So do we have any other uh, dislikes for this film at all? Anything else that we wanted to bring up? Those I were don't. mine. Just yeah, don't I don't, have don't any. cheat on Matt Damon. Is all I have to say. And it's because you see what happens. The whole world yeah. dies when You'll, you do. Yeah, it yeah, affects everyone. Yeah. If she just wouldn't have cheated on Matt Damon, and then she would have been fine. So right. yep. that chef was had no impact of her getting the virus at all. It was definitely due to her cheating on Matt Damon. So yeah. <laughs> she knew she was going to do that when she got the disease in Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. So that is true. Oh, Gwyneth, you're just ruining everything. <laughs> well, now I guess we have a special segment this episode and we're calling it questions for the professional biologist. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's me. Mm hmm. Yes, that is. (laughs) So we have some questions from the movie of things that happened in the film and also some just coronavirus questions as well, since that's going on right now. But just trying to figure out how much of the film was actually realistic to things that would happen in everyday life. And since we have a biologist on the show, we figured we would this would be a good time to ask some of those questions. So the first one is, why did they shoot the vaccine up their nose instead of just injecting it like you would uh, like a flu shot or something? Um, so I had to do, I did my due diligence and did some research on some of these questions. <laughs> Thank um, you. You're welcome. I don't want to give your listeners bad information. That would be, right, right. That would be also with that caveat sidebar. Um, I am no medical expert. <gasps> oh, okay. so, yeah. that's important to say. None of us yes. are. No, no. So <laughs> whatever I say is just, uh, I do have a degree in biology. I do study biology and everything. And I look some of this stuff up, but um, it's not medical advice. So if you get the coronavirus, right. it's not my fault. We have nothing to do with that. Yep. But watch some good movies and listen to the show if you do get it. <laughs> yes. Spend some time. Okay. Um, so the biggest thing that I found with the difference between the inhaled vaccines and the intramuscular ones, like the shots, uh-huh. um, is the ease of administration. Okay. Oh. Because wow. if you have have a shot you have to have somebody trained to give the shot make sure they're giving it in the right place they're not going like too deep or too shallow or everything um and with the inhaled ones you can give that to yourself anybody can give it because just sniff this spray okay um so that was the big one but there's a couple others where it could possibly be um easier to transport because you don't Mm -hmm. have these syringes you've got to haul around and you don't have like the biohazard waste with all these used syringes um if it was a powder, I can't remember if it was a liquid spray or a powder, um, but they have both for inhaled stuff. 
Okay. And that, if it's a powder, it's uh, not only easier to transport, but it can also have a longer shelf life and doesn't need to be like refrigerated and all that stuff. So you can get it to a wider um, group of individuals in more rural areas. And then lastly, um, you can get mucosal immunity. So immunity um, in the cells of like your mucus tracts, like your nose, your sinuses, your Mm -hmm. throat, all that stuff where it first comes in contact with the stuff. Um, because they were using a live attenuated virus and not a dead virus um, in the movie. So that means it was almost dead and it was given some stuff um, to make it easier to, for your body to react to. That's what attenuated means. Um, hmm. It's basically like they beat the crap out of it first. So it's <laughs> mm-hmm. almost dead. And then they shine all the spotlights on it ready to show this is where this almost dead thing is. Come learn how to kill it correctly so that when you are exposed to it you know what to do dang those are some big words and i also found that to be a great answer so thank you thank you thank you i tried my best (laughs) and that makes sense all the big words yeah with the uh with the nasal stuff too that makes sense like if there is a huge outbreak like one like you said it's just faster to administer it to people or like if we really got crazy like the postal service could just send everybody it in the mail or something and then like you said you could just give it to yourself so (laughs) that way that would help you get better faster so the next question is um this is one of mine matt damon kind of underlies the seriousness of the illness at first like glenn paltrow gets back from her trip and she's coughing a little bit but he doesn't think too much of it and then she obviously has a seizure and passes out and dies on the floor of their kitchen well that doesn't die there but basically it passes out on the floor of their kitchen and then goes to the hospital and passes away but why do you think he kind of underlies the seriousness of it at first and do you think that's typical of most people especially early on in like a sickness stage when they're just like oh i just have a little cough or you know a little runny nose or whatever yeah i think so because especially with the symptoms that the disease showed um it was basically just like common flu symptoms and then all the brain stuff happened the seizures and all that stuff um kind of hit really rapidly at the end so i think just like with a lot of diseases if the symptoms are super vague it's hard to diagnose like if you have a headache and a fever and your body hurts and you Google that, you have everything from the common cold to a brain tumor. Right. So it's right. just... And pregnancy. Just, and yes. pregnancy. See, I don't worry about that one. I just <laughs> skip over that one. Yeah. Um, but it's um, because the symptoms were super vague, it was probably easy to overlook. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Until wow. it was too late. And then now, the... Oops, this, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry, I was going to, should I go to question three? Yes, you can. That's I was going to say, this question comes to us from Jared of the Silver Screen Podcast. <laughs> um, obviously, with coronavirus, people are dying. But in this movie, people die quite quickly, like sometimes hours later. Would that ever be possible in real life to have a virus that killed people that fast? So this was a tough one because I had no clue okay. at first. So I was doing some research on it. And apparently there are some. Um, I oh. can imagine... Sometimes when, if you were like immunocompromised, so if you were like going through chemo or you had mm-hmm. like some, uh, some other, um, can't think of the word right now, but some other thing affecting your immune system, yes. then anything would kind of affect you more quickly. Um, and usually the young and the elderly are more prone to getting, um, like more severe symptoms of diseases. And that might be why, um... Matt Damon's stepson. Yes. Or was it his regular son? It was his stepson, stepson, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, Died so quickly because he went from totally fine to having a headache and then dying while Matt Damon was at the hospital. Um, But we have things like apparently meningitis. Yeah. um, Can just flare up and because it's nervous system and the meninges of nerves and the brain and everything um, that can happen very quickly, but also something, and this one shocked me, um, cholera, <gasps> things like that, where you just get um, massive um, diarrhea and basically you just die from dehydration. What uh, a you horrible way to go. Can't keep any liquids in you and you just get dehydrated and you're gone within a day or two. Wow. Ugh. 
Yeah, well, so that's a real cheerful one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> another, another great question from Jared uh, of the Silver Screen Podcast. With coronavirus, is the fear due to the fact that it is highly contagious and one person can infect many like, pe- like uh, people like Kate Winslet's character discusses in this movie during the whiteboard scene, which I loved mm-hmm. that scene. And apparently that scene is like a textbook explanation of that are not value. Yep. Okay. Um, that some epidemiologists that I follow on Twitter and everything, they, they love that scene as well because it's an excellent, like training wheels version of what that (laughs) value actually is. Um, but I think the big thing behind the coronavirus is that it's just new. It's just novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. the fancy, fancy term. So it's something that, hasn't been around and now it's popping up and it's just spreading like crazy and it's kind of like in the movie uh we don't well we know what it is now but it's just brand new and new things are scary right and new things that can kill you are really scary so i think that's where where it's at oh that's perfect john because the question i wanted to make sure people knew um that coronavirus i hear that that is a a cold essentially but there's many different kinds of coronaviruses so correct me if i'm wrong but my question was we contract them or we contract them all the time in our lifetimes however covid19 is a particularly new and harmful strain of the virus is that correct um i don't know if i would say it's um extra harmful okay than some other viruses um because there are viruses that are much more harmful than the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Yes. Um, but it is it is new. And because of that, we don't really have any immune immunity built up to it. So that's... Okay. So coronavirus is a category of viruses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember from biology class, you have like the domain kingdom phylum class order family genus species that whole yes i do remember that (laughs) Um, (laughs) so viruses are a little bit different um because they're not considered living things so they don't really fall in that but there are different types of viruses and coronavirus is just a particular type of virus kind of like there's rhinovirus there's um other viruses that i can't think of right now off the top of my head (laughs) but there's others i believe you yeah trust me and because it's a virus, that is why we can't take antibiotics to cure it. Is that right? Correct. Uh, okay. Because most antibiotics work by messing up the uh, cell wall of bacteria. All bacteria have a cell wall. And it messes up with that, and it makes the cells just basically explode. Or it makes it um, targeted Whoa. for your immune cells to really attack it. But we can't do that with viruses. So there are some antivirals. Mm-hmm. That you can take if you have a viral infection, but those are few and far between. Usually, I, you have to wait for your immune system to kind of do the dirty work. Okay, because I hmm. so I've heard they've started testing some things, but they you know they're like it would be such a long time before we know it absolutely cures it and would distribute it. But I heard that they've tried some of the HIV stuff antivirals mm-hmm. to see if that will help with this. Yeah, I've heard that, and I just. Again, I'm no medical professional. I think right. that would be probably not the best. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see how it would work. I should I've say. heard it hasn't. Yeah, because yeah, um, they're just totally because HIV is a retrovirus, um, which just means it goes right. backwards. It goes from RNA to DNA, and uh-huh. then DNA to infecting you. And I'm pretty sure the coronavirus um, is just like a DNA virus or an RNA. Like, I don't think it goes through the same steps as HIV. So I don't see how an HIV medicine could help with the coronavirus. Okay. Um, I guess I might ask these out of order because now I feel like we're naturally going to this, this question, but okay. You mentioned epidemiology, which I looked this up already, but I wanted to ask what is the job of an epidemiologist? Um, so the short version of this, is they basically um, track disease and do all this study with disease spread and how to prevent diseases and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the short answer. Um, The long long answer involves this, like, starting with Jon Snow. Um, Yes. This guy named Jon Snow. Not that Jon Snow. Oh, Uh, dang it. Yeah. Um, But it's just a coincidence. Um, And beer. and And cholera, I think it was. 
Oh my gosh. Um, in England, basically everybody was getting sick, but people noticed that there were um, pockets of healthy people around all the breweries mm. and okay. pockets of sick people around all the water wells. And Jon Snow was like the first one to track why, like to track these patterns. And they figured out that the people who lived around the breweries drank more beer and the people who lived around the water wells drank more water and cholera was spread through water. So he was like the first one to really kind of put the pieces together with dirty water equals cholera and beer is good for you. So um, he was one of like the first epidemiologists. That's amazing. I did look this up. Uh, Everyone, if you're interested, you can just look up Jon Snow beer and cholera and it'll pop up for you. That is the coolest story, John. I have never heard that before. And I also didn't know that cholera spread through water. Yep. Bad, dirty water because of poop. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> gross. Yep. Wow. Well, I guess um, another question is: uh, I guess why are viruses not considered a living organism? Um, some people do consider them to be alive. So other people okay. consider them to be half alive. And I kind of subscribe to the they're like half alive, and it's because they can't do all the things that people consider to be life all the processes, mm-hmm. um, on their own. They have to infect something. It's basically, um, when I describe them to my students, I describe viruses as like a thumb drive or a flash drive with a program on it Ah, that you can't run that program without using the computer. And the viruses don't have the necessary parts to run their programming. They need the ribosomes and they need all these other parts of the cell that they just don't have that they get from infecting some other organism. Wow, that's an excellent explanation, too, because I had wondered that same thing. That question actually came from Arjun, one of our faithful listeners, and you've met him. Yeah, I have. Um, He's a lovely gentleman. (laughs) So thanks for that question. Um, I guess, now, John, I didn't want to put this on you, but I did put this in our notes, but do you know what the, do they know at all what the R-naught is for coronavirus? So I looked this up. Okay. And I found a couple different sources. Yes. Um, but they all seem to range from about one and a half uh-huh. to four. Oh, okay. so that I four saw one I did, scares me. Yeah, I yeah. saw one that was as high as six. Um, but one and a half to four is kind of m- what most of them were saying. And just to compare that, like seasonal flu is two to three. Okay. So it's not um, two uncommon or too ridiculous when you compare it to flu right that that does make me feel better the four is freaky but she even mentioned that kate winslet mentioned that in the film so i forget which disease or which virus or whatever it was associated with but i remember it wasn't the worst one yeah i think polio may have been around oh, I think before i think you're right it's definitely not measles, which is like 13 or something. Yes. I that um, I was listening. One of the podcasts I listened to talking about coronavirus said how bad measles spreads. Measles is the worst one. Thing. You can get terrible. measles from somebody who was in the room like three hours before you. Wow. What? This they makes sense. Like, so this yeah. is why people were so concerned about vaccinating people and don't let your kids if they haven't been vaccinated. Because I remember that happened earlier in uh, 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that hmm. makes sense now. So how similar is the situation in contagion to the coronavirus we are facing now? Um, I would say it's similar enough that they're, they were both novel, so brand mm-hmm. new strains that popped up okay. um, that came from animals. Um, but the one in the movie was definitely a lot more lethal and a lot more fast acting mm-hmm. um, than the coronavirus seems to be. Did <laughs> you say we do know this came from animals? Um, I'm pretty sure we know that it came from animals. I'm ah, I didn't sure. know that. You're a lot probably of, right. I just don't know. Yeah, a lot of these different types of flus and diseases come from some crossover event, like they show in the movie with the um, the bat and the pig. Yeah. Um, a lot of them come from stuff that's already been in the environment, or like the bird flu, things that have existed that just mutate ever so slightly in the right direction where now we can start getting infected by it. Okay. But I think oh I did see something saying that the uh, coronavirus did come from animals. I might be wrong about that because I was looking up a bunch of different things. But mm-hmm. I want to say with like 73% certainty. 
Well, that uh, also I heard that a dog had contracted it too. So I guess I shouldn't oh. be surprised. Uh, there's a dog in the U.S. I think they had oh, said. Poor dog. I know, and I could be wrong about that. You know what? I'm not a biologist or a medical professional. Um, I guess I think this was another question. This either came from Arjun or my friend Bill. Um, but how does the death toll of the coronavirus compare to the death toll of the flu this year? So um, looking this up, there's been about three thousand global deaths from the coronavirus. Okay. Which sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But the flu, the seasonal flu yep. for the 2019-2020 uh, flu season, which is still kind of ongoing, so this yep. is a preliminary number, um, just for the United States is 18,000. Whoa. <laughs> um, which is a bigger number than I expected. Um, <laughs> Whoa. But that was as of Monday the 2nd. Um, actually, the CDC... Mm-hmm. kind of serendipis- serendipitously there we go yep. um, posted a little graphic about the flu and showed how many uh, uh, deaths there were huh. and it's about 18,000 just in the United States I so, hope we have uh, some faithful CDC listeners thank yes. you for what you do <laughs> shout <laughs> but, out to the CDC yeah. that being said um, there the flu is about like 0.1% fatal Okay. so a lot of people get the flu Yep. For 18,000 to have died. Um, and the coronavirus seems to be about 2% lethal. Jeez. So um, while the death toll is far less, it is more lethal, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, John, I don't want to, I didn't put this in the notes and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I had a question. So someone, I was talking to someone at work about if they came up with a vaccine and she said, oh, I wouldn't want to be one of the first ones to test it because she thinks it would kill her. Do you have an opinion on that? The vaccines, as far as like when they're first coming out, like, do you think it's safe or are you like, oh, stay away, don't volunteer for that? Um, they've got to go through so much testing before yeah. they give them to people um, that I would, I would be one of the first ones, especially if it was something like as severe as the movie yes. disease was. I'd be like, yes, sign me up. Hmm. I will. I would much rather get it than die. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'd yeah. be the first person to do it. Right. Maybe um, the third. But yeah, I'd definitely be the third. Yeah. Maybe I, even the second. I personally feel that way as well. But when she said it, I thought, uh, but I do think we differ on a couple things anyway, just the way we see the world. So I, I, I just thought, oh, that's an interesting question. So sorry to spring that on you, but thanks no, for answering. Not and I have one uh, other question that's kind of like vaccine related. Yes. So in this movie, they developed the vaccine like very fast. Like I think by day 28 or 30 or something, they've basically got the vaccine ready yeah. to go. And they're kind of, you know, injecting it into, you know, people and giving it to them and people are getting healthy again. But I know that the, the CDC and World Health Organization has said that for coronavirus, it could take them up to a year, maybe even 18 months to get a vaccine ready for coronavirus. And I'm assuming that's a little more typical than what happened in the movie Contagion because it seemed like they were able to develop something very quickly for those circumstances. Well, and it might be something, um, again, I have no clue how this works just with my basic understanding Mm -hmm. of biology. Um, It might be something where we were seeing behind the scenes in the movie where it may have only taken them a month or two to come up with a vaccine that worked. Yeah, um, and they fast tracked it getting out to the people because it was so deadly. Um, where that one year to eighteen months is probably with trials and all that stuff, um, kind of figured that makes in. sense. So okay, yeah, that'd be my best guess for those numbers. Wow. Well, um, oh, okay. So, John, I know some of this is common sense, but I am already surprised by how people don't take care of themselves. So how can we limit the risk, just normal things we can do, uh, limit the risk of contracting coronavirus? Um, Stay away from sick people. Copy. Okay. Wash your hands. Yes. Wash your hands. Please wash your <laughs> um, hands. Like, for like the, the appropriate time. time. Yeah. Yeah. 20 to 30 seconds minimum with yeah. soap. Wash your hands. Yes. Um, don't touch your face. Yes. Wash, wash your phone. That's a huge thing. Like wash your f- dirty phone. How can you hmm. do that? Cause I would love to do this. I just want to know how to just do like, this appropriately. Just like a Lysol wipe. Oh, just that's Lysol a wipe your idea. Phone and just okay. like clean it. Um, other people use soap and water because most okay. phones are like waterproof anymore. Okay. I don't yeah. know if listeners, if yours is not, don't dip it in water. <laughs> don't your phone. Us. Yeah. Don't yeah. blame anybody here. Yeah. Okay. 
putting that out there. <laughs> I've got. To, I'm used to saying warnings like that teaching high school because yeah. somebody's going to do somebody's, it and then come back. Right, right. Somebody's going to email us and they still have a Motorola <laughs> razor and they're going to be like, "It killed it." The you guys were wrong. I want to meet. I want to meet that listener. <laughs> Contact us on Twitter if you have a razor phone. Be your desktop <laughs> computer on dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> Took you two hours to download this episode, so thank you for listening. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah. <laughs> and any any other things? Do you have thoughts on travel or anything right now, or not really? Um. Well, I just booked a vacation to Europe, so I'm hoping. <laughs> So oh I'm hoping it's fine. Um, yeah, so I'm not too concerned. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. I mean, planes, planes scare me, though, because of the recycled so, air and everything. That's actually what's making me nervous. Yeah, um, I thought about that, but that's it'll, it'll be fine. It'll buff out. You know what? Good point. Do you know when your trip is, or do you feel it's comfortable saying? Oh, it's June? In June. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see how this this clears up by right. then. We've got three months for the world to fall apart or yeah. to yeah. come back together. Yeah. Well, and then John, this is kind of silly, but apparently not because I've been hearing news stories report on this. Does coronavirus have anything to do with Corona beer? No, it does not. Um, I have seen those same reports where like one was like 38% of people would refuse a Corona beer because of the coronavirus. Ridiculous. Um, That's cor- ridiculous. I don't know. I've had, I've had more Corona beer since this outbreak happened, actually. Because you're like, that sounds really good. Yeah, it does. I do think that's what it is because I'm like, oh, with a lime right now, that sounds right. Yeah, like Corona just means crown in Spanish. I'm pretty How sure. Beautiful. It's been a while since I've studied my Spanish. Do you know what? When I n- listen to my next episode of Bio for Bastards, I am going to drink Corona in your honor. Maybe I should buy one and do the same. <laughs> there you go. And with, like you said, the Corona, you get that lime, so you're getting that vitamin C, trying to help, mm-hmm. you know, keep you healthy. Everything. No scurvy. So, yeah. <laughs> also <laughs> unpleasant from what I hear. Yes. I do know about scurvy. Um, and I know that that is a joke, but I knew this episode was going to be pretty intense, especially because we're talking about a real life issue that is affecting people that we know or other countries that we care about. So I did want to ask that. And apparently people are concerned about Corona beer, but yeah. glad to clear that up. Yes. Thank you nice. for answering those questions. I, I found so much value from hearing what you had to say. And honestly, you made me feel a lot better about the coronavirus. Well, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> glad I so could help. So now we'll Put give our uh, grades for the movie. And John, just so you know, we do this on like a 100 uh, point scale. Somewhere to how okay. you can probably grade a test, you know, since okay. you're a biology teacher. So <laughs> out of 100, I, I your, grade, your grade for the movie. So um, Katie, do you want to go ahead and go first with your grade for Contagion? Yes, I think I'm going to figure this out on the fly, though. Okay. Because I definitely thought I had a grade, and I don't think I put anything down. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, I've got it. I am going to go with an 86, and my reasoning is that it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. It left me with questions, but I think it's a very important movie. I think it was very well done. Um, It's a movie I would watch over again, and I like when they tell stories about things that could really happen to us, and you care about the characters. 86. Very nice. I think that's a good grade for this one. So, Thank you. John, what is your grade for Contagion? I'm going to give it a 93. So it's oh, a high yeah. A minus. Lovely. Um, okay. Because yeah, it's something I have watched many, many times having shown it to my class, and I'm not tired of it yet, so that's a good sign. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is pretty faithful to the science, and I think it just does a really good job of showing what could potentially happen with something. Um, there are some, you know, some flaws to it, as there mm-hmm. are to just about everything. So that's why it's not an, a solid A, but 93 is a, it's a good grade. It's a solid A minus. Yeah. It's going to pass the class with that for sure. It definitely so. will. Very good kids. <laughs> and then my grade for this one is right around yours, Katie, but I'm going to give it an 85 out of 100. So I really do enjoy Excellent. it. I think the fact that it still is relevant, even after nine years of being released, is, there's something to say about that, that, you know, it still holds up and it's still very much relatable to what's happening uh, today, not just with the coronavirus, but with other things that we've seen throughout the years. And I think the acting's very good in it. And, you know, the story is very interesting, keeps you engaged the whole time. So 85 out of 100 for me. So That's awesome. Those, That's consistent. Yeah, it is. So we all had pretty similar grades on that one, which is good. So much higher than the audience score, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes. So yes. not sure what that Bunch says about us. But yeah. <laughs> 
We can say in this episode, bastards. Bunch of no, because I like my bastards. Oh, okay. My <laughs> bastards bad. are good for me. <laughs> uh, and never speaking mind. of that, yeah. speaking of that, John, where can people find your podcast and find you on social media? We'll put the links in the show notes too, um, in the description for this episode. But where can people find your stuff? Um, my uh, podcast is available wherever you get podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Mine should be up there. It's Biology for Bastards. Um, I am on the web at um, at Bio for Bastards on pretty much every social media platform there is. Um, I made sure to scoop. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are the big ones. But um, if you've got a TikTok and you want to shout me out, I'm on there too. Nice. Um, I also love that you said Pinterest earlier. <laughs> I Yep, I do have a Pinterest I do have a bite. People getting on the bite bandwagon. That's what I don't have a MySpace. That's about the only one I don't have. (laughs) I don't have a Visco. So those are those are the two I don't have. Um, Or you can visit um, biologyforbastards.com. I've got all my episodes with um, powerpoints for each episode on my website, as well as any merch that you might want to buy. I, yeah, nice. you're ahead of us in the merch game. That's awesome. It's something brand new. I'm sorry, I've I've had three orders. So hey, I saw that on Instagram. I was proud. Yeah, I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Well, John, we can't thank you enough for for being our very first guest, and we do love your podcast, and I'm so glad it's doing really well. And I appreciate you making me uh, feel better about coronavirus. Oh, not a problem. Very excited to have been able to come and join you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for being on with us. And then our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, we're going to have another guest on. Um, this is Katie's twin, Sean. Her her brother will be on to talk about one of his favorite movies, The Big Lebowski, which is actually a movie that I have not seen yet. So oh, I will be watch, I'll be watching that before <laughs> You're our in next for episode. A treat. <laughs> <laughs> and so that will be our There's next some, episode. Some weird moments. Oh, good. Good to know. So I'm ready to experience it, though. And then you can find us on social media at podcast silver on instagram and twitter and then just search the silver screen podcast on facebook and you should be able to find our page and like us there and our next episode will be on the big lebowski until next time we'd like to thank the academy 